Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is favourite Christmas memories. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the Christmas Grinch, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? I was just listening to your introduction and um, memories, as in more than one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not prepared, apparently. It's all right. I've got, I've got a few. So don't worry. While I'm speaking, you can try and think of another one. Or did you? Can we just say memories because there's two of us? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I say you, you remember that, right? And you'll be like, yes, that lovely Christmas we all spent together. Oh man. Tell me about well, your week. Well, this should be fast. <laughs> on the writing front, I've been working on the British novella, but I have to be honest, words have not been flowing from my fingertips. I'm pretty, I think, I think I'm just done with this year. I think 2020 finally has broken me. So I've been watching movies. <laughs> I watched like three Christmas movies in a row on Saturday. I've been listening to books. I'm hoping 2021 is going to be a bit better of a year. Um, I know the beginning of it's going to be dark. I am prepared for that. But I, I just don't know how much more I have in me for like actual work in 2020. I just don't know. Well, I don't think a lot. Do you know... <laughs> I I hear you. I hear you, girlfriend. Um, I was listening to a podcast this week. It was actually the Selmore Book Show, uh, which I really like with their new host, Claire somebody, H. Claire Taylor. She's very good. She used to be a stand-up comedian, and it shows. She's a very good host of it. Anyway, she was talking about how she's feeling at the moment, and she said that she's like a car that's... She's American, so she said she's run out of gas. So she said she's... She, the gas... The gasometer? Is that on Santa's sleigh or is that in a in a car? I don't know. I've watched a lot of Christmas movies. Anyway, <laughs> she says that she feels like a car, which is herself, is just at the stage where it's almost run out of gas, but she's pretty sure she can cruise to the garage, but it could run out. But it's, this, this whole journey has been such a slog and she can't be bothered to put any gas in because, yeah. you know, she doesn't want to do anything else. So she's just trying to get the car to the garage and then she's going to run out and run into the service station and buy 12 donuts. Is that how you feeling? Can I have more than 12? <laughs> it's been a rough year. You can have as many donuts as you like, TB. Well, I live in, I live in Massachusetts, so, like, on every corner there's a Dunkin' Donuts, so I really don't have a donut shortage. But I am in like uh, I am... In, in pink and orange, right? That's Dunkin' Donut colors, but I do not wear those colors when I go into Dunkin' Donuts. Because they might mistake me for a donut and sell me. <laughs> but um, in other news, I have news that involves you. So I didn't mention it during our pre-talk, because we do have to discuss this after the show. Okay. But are you ready for the news? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. One golden summer audiobook is live. Woohoo! That fucking took forever in a day. Okay, not as long as uh, Heart of Ice, and also Life and Bits, the um, holiday romance uh, co-written with Harper Bliss. That went live too. Like they, I had like two books go live like within two days, and those books were uh, submitted a month apart. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, finally I get to um, 
share the news that One Golden Summer is finally here. Well, I am thrilled about that, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not—it's neither of us uh, narrating it. Probably not. Probably for the best. Probably, un- probably not. Fortunately, <laughs> if you're listening to this and thinking, "Wow, I'd love to hear more of these two no, it's the wonderful Claire story uh, narrating it. So, um, actually, I haven't listened to it. TV proofed this, so I would. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen to this over the holidays. All right, all right. And so, in other news, since you know we've been kind of like you know shut in for I don't know nine months now, <laughs> I finally set up my coffee shop in my office. I I got a table with some stools. I hung up some beach scenes on the wall. So now that I can't go to the coffee shop that I would like to go to, I've created my own in my 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 flat. And I, I can, can I can see it. And I, as as we were just chatting here, I was thinking there's some nice pictures on the wall behind you, beach scenes. It's also my coffee shop and also where I can eat meals because um I live in a very small flat and so when we eat meals it's like on our laps <laughs> on the couch. But um now we're grown ups. <laughs> You've got your own coffee shop. Amazing. <laughs> I know I know you know the vaccines are rolling out, but we still have you know we still have like six dark months ahead of us so I can use my coffee shop to try and hopefully get out of the the doldrums where I just don't want to put more gas in the car and eat donuts because I've been doing that a lot and so I need to lose the donuts (laughs) how about you how are you doing I am that same car at the end of the year (laughs) I don't drive so somebody take the keys off me because I'm it's going to be crazy I'm pulling into the garage I don't know how to turn it off I think I'm just having launched Christmas in mistletoe I knew that was what I had to do uh, before the end of the year because it's a Christmas book so it would help if it was out of Christmas but having done that I get, I'm not picking up the I'm not picking up the baton and starting again very well I've got to say <laughs> I did write a couple of days and then I'm just like mm, no I'm not really feeling it and I'm not going to force it that's what I've decided are these the words that you were like freestyling you didn't even know what they were for yes uh, I've just abandoned that for now because <laughs> Because I think basically my brain's still like, but you've got to do London Seven. So actually, I, I'm I'm very nearly finished London Seven now, um, the third draft. So then it will go to the proofer over Christmas. So once that's done, then maybe my brain will be freed up. But also maybe my brain just needs a break. Uh, I know that I need a break because I know that even though I did take a couple of weeks off in October, neither you nor I have had a, a very you know a sustained break this year. Uh, apart from those two weeks, which I did feel the benefits of. So uh, my wife is off from the 23rd until the new year. So I'm going to also take the 23rd till the new year off. So I'm going to have like a long break over Christmas and the new year. And I feel like it's needed. A bit like you, I'm not doing much. Uh, I'm, I'm, do- I'm getting admin tasks, you know, ticked off. Doing I'm doing the podcast for my other podcast and, and a lot of other things. But uh, I have also there this week uh, fixed the Google pricing issue. You probably won't know about this because because you are Amazon exclusive. But Google, in their wisdom, used to really um, slash the prices of all your books, and then Amazon would price match them. So, like, say you put your book on, say I put my book on for seven ninety nine at Google and seven ninety nine at Amazon. Then Google would slash the price by about forty percent, and then put it down to four ninety nine, and then Amazon would price match it. It was very annoying. So to combat it, I used to put all my books at Google up to like eleven ninety nine, twelve ninety nine, and hope that they'd slash them to around a similar price. But Google have now stopped doing that. 
So then I had to, I just found that out, but apparently it's been a few months. So I had to go in and make all my Google prices a bit better because the, they were all, all the books were like 11 99 each. People were strangely still paying that though. <laughs> I'm just like, you really need to go on a price comparison site. I mean, uh, my books are great, but I'm not sure they're worth that much. Now, was Amazon price matching the higher price? No, Amazon doesn't match the higher price, but it always ma if if you're if there's a price out there on one of the major stores that's below what you've got it out on in Amazon, then it'll price match it. So why was Google doing this? Just to fuck with you people on Amazon? Just to really <laughs> annoy authors, and it's been doing it ever since it started. So you know, my prices on Google were always a bit whack because you know they'd always slash them, and you had no control over it. But now they've stopped doing it. So now all my prices are smooth and the same across all platforms. So that's pleasing. It's pleasing to a control freak like me. Yes, what else has happened? Well, I got a lovely delivery today. Uh, not today, this week, dear listeners, from the lovely TB Markinson. She sent me some Christmas presents, which is, which is wonderful and made me feel very warm and toasty inside because... Not only did she send me a Christmas present, she sent me a Hallmark Christmas movie book. Oh my God, it's amazing. I sat there on the couch watching Hallmark Christmas movies on Sunday and reading the book. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. And we went and bought a real Christmas tree on Sunday and we put it up and put the decorations on and the lights and I feel so Christmassy. I think that was missing. I have to get my Christmas tree. And then I'm loving this book. I mean, honestly, it's one of those presents that if I had seen it, I'd have gone, no, I'm not buying that. Don't be ridiculous. But then someone else buys it for you, and I fucking love it. There you go. I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was like, mm, personally, I wouldn't have liked it, but I don't like horror movies, so I'm not the target audience. But I was like, you know... I thought it could at least be a joke gift. Oh, well, yes. No. I'm glad you're actually liking it. You, you might have bought it as a joke gift, but I love it. And it's got <laughs> recipes and interviews with the stars, and they go over all the how they get their sets and the locations, and all the, oh, it's amazing. Sex. I thought you said sex. I no, was not, like, wait a minute. Maybe I should There is no sex movies. in Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> so that was wonderful. And you also bought me an, an, another lovely book about Christmas in New York. So I'm looking forward to reading that one as well. And also, um, Spurs drew again. The women won again, so go the new coach. I watched a really good Christmas movie this week called Sweet Mountain Christmas, and it had Megan Hilty in it, who was in Smash, which I absolutely loved that series. I think it only had one series, but it was brilliant. But she is a trained Broadway actor, so she's got a brilliant singing voice, basically. She's been in a lot of musicals, and she had a great... She was a singer in Smash. And um, so she's got a brilliant singing voice, and in... A country Sweet Mountain Christmas she played a country music star and so it had everything I love a Christmas movie set in small town America with a woman who can really bloody sing and she really bloody sang all the way through wonderful what's the movie called? Sweet Mountain Christmas and who is it that stars in it? Megan Hilty that name rings a bell I, I can never like I never really can associate names with actual people maybe no. I have some kind of weird thing but once I see I'm like oh I know who that is yeah <laughs> I had to look her up I also watched one this week with uh Allison I can't remember her surname but she used to host The Biggest Loser for like many uh, seasons yeah. and she was she is now being signed up by Hallmark so I was sitting there going how do I know her I used to love The Biggest <laughs> Loser so <laughs> anyway that's my week. So neither of us have done very much work because we are befuddled now. We're, we are cruising up to the gas station 
for our donuts. So let's talk about comments. Comment monitor, what you got? All right. First up, we have a comment from Marion Snow, a fellow lesbian author. Um, she is uh, reacting to, I think you said on one of the episodes not too long ago, that not every hour of ours has to be monetized. She tries, Marion Snow tries to keep strict work hours as a writer, but has struggled with, to accept that we don't have to keep writing words into documents all the time. It is one of those things where, like, especially independent authors, it is something you really have to learn to combat. Yes, it really is. Uh, and I think we, we did go over this on The Power of Rest a few episodes ago. And I'm actually reading that book that we recommended on that podcast. It, yeah, it's really interesting. But as, as we've said on there, rest and work go hand in hand. They're not enemies uh, to have good work. You need good rest. Marion has also weighed in on the robe versus the dressing gown dilemma. Marion grew up in Maine in the U.S. and calls hers a housecoat. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should all call it a housecoat. Um, Marion's wife calls it a bathrobe or robe. Marion calls it housecoat because I think, oh, that's what her grandmother called hers, and she just kind of picked it up from her grandmother. So we have yet another word for our fancy robes, gowns, housecoats. I think we should just agree that we all call them different things, right? I'm going to stick with robe because I'm stubborn. <laughs> okay, I have a confession. We have something from Podbean Shelley, but I have to preface this. As I've mentioned on previous episodes, since we have MailChimp as our provider for uh, our Heartless Pick, and I also use MailChimp for my TBM newsletter communications, I have a P.O. box address that's listed on those emails, and it's... The P.O. Um, box is in Bolton, Mass., not Boston, Massachusetts. And that's not because I misspelled the city. It's because Bolton, Mass., their fees are a lot less. So I went with the cheap route to save some money because, as you know, the cost of running an author business and podcasts uh, add up. But Bolton is not near me. <laughs> it's not near me at all. And so I finally went to the P.O. box. I haven't been the entire fucking pandemic. I finally went... And Podbean Shelley was so upset that she couldn't come to London for our Lesbians Who Write meetup that she sent us money so we could have a pint. Oh. So next time I see you, <laughs> we're going to have beers that Podbean Shelley has bought us. Okay. Well, that's that's so lovely. Thank you very much, Podbean Shelley. I'm going to look forward to that pint. It might be 2022, but, uh, you know, don't you worry. I'm going to hold TB accountable. The the money is tucked away, it's safe and sound. I had several letters <laughs> that um, I have to address that have been sitting in that post office since March. But anyhow, so it was very nice of you, Podbean Shelley, and I'm sorry I haven't mentioned it before because I literally just found out about it. We will enjoy a pint together at some point, I'm sure. We also have a comment from Lauren who recently found the podcast, and Lauren is loving the podcast and thinks that we are amazing and hilarious. Lauren is starting at episode one, is already on episode 23, so good luck with the rest of it. But do you have any comments on your side? I do, TB. Uh, I've got one from Connie. Connie says she's listened to three episodes of the podcast, and she's very impressed how much we both put into each episode. She values the professional information on being a writer, but even more, she cherishes the personal tidbits that we choose to share. What she hears is not just that we're writers, but that we're multifaceted, multifaceted, worthy people. Until this weekend, I'm like, I don't want to be anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to sit on the couch and do nothing. <laughs> multifaceted, worthy people who like Christmas movies and donuts. 
There you go. Um, and also, we've got have one from Maureen, and she says she really enjoys listening to us both natural ways. She says it feels natural and very good natured. Maureen also has a question, and I'm thinking maybe this is a question we could uh, flesh out into a full episode. But her question is, do we write to a formula? She's seen a lot of how to write books, and they all seem to have these rules to follow. She's heard Mills and Boone have characters, uh, have certain rules that characters have to meet in the first eight pages, fall in love, have a fight, break up. So she wants to know if um, our books follow a pattern, and if they do, does it help us or hinder us? So, big question. Yeah, I don't want to answer on the spot because that's going to involve using my noodle. Yeah. My noodle's, uh, my noodle's hibernating. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maureen, we will take that question and we will make it into a full episode. So, thank you very much and keep listening. That's it. That's my... Uh, wow, we got through the comments. That's my comments, yeah. Well done, oh, us. We're cruising through this We episode. are cruising. Oh. We're cruising through, nearly at the gas station, for donuts. Right. <laughs> Um, favorite Christmas memories. So we thought we'd do a little bit of a lighter one as our last episode of 2020. So we thought we'd do favorite Christmas memories or memory. So would you like me to kick off uh, this one, TV? Well, I, I wrote a little bit of an intro that okay, go on then. talks about one, but then I go into a second one. So I have one and a half. Okay. <laughs> one and a half memories. So obviously, um, what? Did we decide on 46 this year? Was that the year? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, I'm in my fourth decade. So You're in your fifth decade. If uh, people who are just starting to listen to us, I don't do math well. When I, when I used to work at Boston University, uh, we had a nice little thing every year because it was cheaper for them on Christmas Eve to shut down the school and all the, um, all the staff members who supported the school to shut down the school to like January 2nd or January 3rd, depending on where it fell. So what they did is they just gave us that week off. And this was on top of our other vacation time. So it was an extra week we had off that was fantastic. So we usually would, <laughs> we're very Christmassy with family apparently. We'd usually we would hop a plane and go to a different place. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my uh, half memories was the one year we, we left, um, I think we flew out on Christmas Eve actually we flew out from boston on christmas eve and we flew to guatemala so we spent like the week in guatemala at this coffee resort we stayed on a coffee plantation which was actually a working coffee plantation i learned a lot about how to make coffee that is not a fucking easy job no so when you guys are drinking coffee in the morning you should be nice <laughs> say something nice for people who have to um, grow all those beans i'm always thankful for my morning coffee don't you worry so um, so that was like one of the memories that I I had. It was a fantastic um, trip. We stayed at this lovely place. I climbed a volcano. I climbed an active volcano. So that meant when we got to the top, we saw all the lava coming out. And it was really like, it was really freaking hot up there. Like my, my tennis <laughs> shoes were starting to melt. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> it was really hot on an active volcano. Weird, weird. Really fucking hot. <laughs> So why haven't you written uh, a lesbian romance where two people are standing at the top of an active volcano and then one of them nearly falls and then the other one catches them and then boom, love. There you go. I think it would be true traumatic because I, I remember the entire time we were standing up there just terrified. I was so tired because it's, it's quite a hike. I was so terrified that I would accidentally like fall into this fucking volcano and it looked like just like this really twisted 
like carnival ride where you like slid down because it was all beautiful it looks beautiful it's like this red orange yellow and it just like is flowing but i know as soon as you get in there you're gone it, it's like the worst slide ever invented pretty much yeah <laughs> really bad <laughs> it'd only be enjoyable for so long and scooby-doo is not going to come and rescue you no, no i wouldn't want anyone to get hurt rescuing me no <laughs> leave me i'm the idiot who fell in <laughs> don't kill yourself trying to save me so, but uh, we had a fantastic week that uh, that year. We did a lot of hiking, and we visited Antigua, which is a beautiful little city. And since it was the holidays, the resort wasn't that full, so we had like all the staff, and um, we we were having drinks with the staff, and they do fireworks and everything. It was just a fantastic time. So that's that's my first memory. You you just sparked another memory for me. But... Damn it, Claire! Have I you... already had to make one up on the spot. <laughs> No, I'll just say that uh, it was three years ago, actually, three years ago at Christmas, went over to Sydney for my nephew's wedding, uh, which was amazing because I'd never, ever been somewhere hot for Christmas and I completely understand it now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've never gone away for Christmas before, but we went to uh, Sydney, Australia, and it was 35, 40 degrees. It was m crazy hot, uh, but it was fantastic. Loved it. And then we spent Christmas Day on an on a island in Thailand. That was incredible as well, because again, sit, sitting by the pool on Christmas Day, never done it before, really want to do it again, but can't can't this year quite. Not really. So that was your first warm Christmas? That was my first ever time outside the UK. Okay, because um, I grew up in Southern California, so Christmas for me was always really nice. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't until I moved to Colorado when I was in high school where I was like, oh, it's snowballs on Christmas? That's weird. <laughs> I used to wear shorts and a t-shirt on Christmas. Yeah, and, I, and like I said, I really do want to do it again because it was just so lovely being, and it's such a great way as well because, you know, it's pretty um, cold. I mean, it's not as cold as some countries in the UK, uh, but it's cold, it's winter. And so having three or four weeks to start your year where you're just warm, it put me in a good mood for the whole year. So, yeah. It does do it. I, that's one of the reasons we used to love to travel over that week. We had I got off from work because it would be in Boston where it's really freaking cold and snowing. So we would get like a reprieve for a week and go someplace really nice where we can wear shorts and a t-shirt. And it does help your mental health, I think. It does very much so. God, I really want to go somewhere hot and sunny now. <laughs> maybe twenty twenty two. Yes. Well, twenty twenty one at the end, maybe. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. No idea. I Who know. knows? Who knows? Anyway, so my first Christmas memory. I thought I'd pick the one as an author, actually. So my first Christmas memory as an author was in 2014, um, when I was on Christmas Day, number one in the UK lesbian fiction charts with The Long Weekend. Now, I remember sitting with my, bro with my wife and my brother and his wife on Christmas Eve at midnight, just as Christmas Day chimed in toasting the fact that I was number one because uh, I'm a huge, huge music fan and Christmas number one used to be a massive deal, right? Before, well, back in the day, back in the oldie childhood days. And so like, if you were the Christmas number one, amazing. And so it felt like a childhood dream come true. I felt like a rock star, even though I was just number one in the UK lesbian fiction charts, <laughs> but I felt like a rock star. And, and like, I remember me and my wife and my brother and his wife all toasting the fact that I was number one and we were all so excited. And that Aww. was an amazing Christmas present. 
There you go. And wasn't that book kind of a darker one? Yeah, it didn't do all that well, generally, you know, but it had a little rally. Like, it came out mid-November and it just had a little rally over Christmas and got to number one again. And it was, like, number one for, like, two or three days and then it sort of dropped down the charts again. But So it was, like, unexpected as well because I really didn't expect it to be there. And then all of a sudden, Christmas Eve, I made number one. I was like, oh, my God! It was so So it was, like, a Christmas miracle. It was a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Wow. I could make a Hallmark movie out of this memory, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah. Can you have sex in it, though? Yeah, obviously, yeah. Well, not you personally, but so, you okay. can have sex in it. <laughs> then you have Celebrations Number One Sex, yeah? <laughs> I wonder if you titled the book Number One Sex. Would you, like, really shoot up the charts? <laughs> I mean, dear listener, let us know. Would you buy a book called Number One, number one Christmas Sex? There you go. I think, I think that'd sell. Personally. <laughs> and I think my other memory of a uh, author memory was writing All I Want for Christmas uh, because I think that was the, obviously my first ever Christmas novel. And also what I did with that book was I took everything I loved about London at Christmas and dumped it all in there. Um, and so I think it really does sing London and it sings Christmas. So, I mean, I loved writing Christmas in Mistletoe, but that's very much not a London book, whereas writing All I Want for Christmas was. All I Want for Christmas, did they go to Winter Wonderland? I don't even know if Winter Wonderland was a thing then. Wait, 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 wait. When did when did All I Want for Christmas come out? Twenty fifteen. Oh, it was a fucking thing. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> it's not a thing in my life. <laughs> Therefore, not a thing in my characters' lives. Um, I'm gonna have to say I no longer like your book since it doesn't have Winter Wonderland. <laughs> what the fuck? That's my favorite part of Christmas in London. But that's good because you. Times I spent there. I know, but that's good because you've just written a book about it. So uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll I guess I'll not try and poo-poo your Christmas memory. <laughs> <laughs> so go on then, give me your give me your next one. I also came up with a writing Christmas memory. I'm gonna take you back to when I was when I was in the sixth grade. Everyone says I do this wrong, but I think I was somewhere between ten to eleven, so I was probably what twenty. I don't know. We had a school assignment when I was in the sixth grade, and it was to create a short story about a cur- a Christmas tradition. And so since it was a creative writing assignment, like it could be, it wasn't a Christmas tradition that had to actually happen. You could create it on your own. And at the time, I was a huge fan of the Berenstein Bears. Do you remember the Berenstein Bears? I don't think we had the Berenstein Bears. No, I've never heard of them. Man, you've really had such a pathetic childhood. I know. No sweets from strangers on Halloween. <laughs> no Berenstein Bears. I was Bears. <laughs> Another tick in the lie that you're fucking crazy. But anywho, since I had such a, I, I, I love the Berenstein Bears, so when I sat down to write my Christmas tradition short story, I made up a story with four bears, and there were four bears in the Berenstein Bears. So um, I pretty much ripped off their idea <laughs> when I was like 11, so I'm going to let it go. So what I did is I created a short story about why we started decorating the Christmas tree. So these bears, they go out and they get a tree and they put it up in their home. And I think they actually had a home. They weren't like living in a cave or anything. They had like a home home. And so when they got home, they put the Christmas tree up and they were all excited. But then they realized when they're looking at the Christmas tree that it's really kind of bare. They decide they're going to start decorating this tree. And so, you know, they make these decorations, like all the, the, the decorations we used to make when we were kids. Like, what was that like paper thing we used to make loops out of? Like the mm, paper, paper chain, chain thing. Yeah, paper chain. Yeah, and then like... Did you guys have to do, like, the popcorn 
children with needles like I hated that never no I think that's a very American thing I don't, I've never ever done that I've seen it on Hallmark yeah. Christmas movies of course but, there you go uh, yeah. there you go is there a page in your book dedicated there to that? probably is <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so I, I described all this and I had like the bears like decorate the tree and it was all the decorations we would make as kids when I was writing this story I really wanted to get into the feeling of Christmas so I remember sitting on a stool in front of our own Christmas tree at home and I turned off the lights so the only light I had was from the tree so I was like trying to like write and I'm sure it was full of misspellings and everything but that was probably normal for me because I can't spell anything after sitting on the stool in front of the tree and penning this short story putting all of my heart and soul into it being true to myself I turned it in I'm, I'm a bit of a fatalist I turned it in and I completely forgot about the assignment after that point until I think the day before we broke for winter break, you know, we got the assignment back from the teacher and I was like, oh yeah, I remember writing a story. So she handed it back and I, did, I got a good grade, but, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing was she wrote a note at the top of the paper that says, when you grow up, you should be a writer. And that was the first time in my life that I was like, hey, People write stories. Like, I was reading books, but it didn't make that connection yet. Mm -hmm. And B, oh, I could do that mm -hmm. as an adult. When I grow up, I could actually do something I really enjoy doing. So this is one of my favorite holiday memories because it isn't really about a gift, so to speak. But this teacher who was a student teacher who I cannot remember her name. She probably gave me the best gift I've ever had in my entire life because she gave me the gift of believing in myself. Oh, I didn't expect you to, to stop me in my tracks with your heartfeltness, TB. But no, I agree. <laughs> I'm ah! not sure what that looked like. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm welling up. I'm welling up. I know you told this story before uh, on a different podcast way back when. Way back when in the midst of time, probably episode 10 or something. But um, I didn't realise it was at Christmas, so I didn't know that was coming. And it is a great story. I love it. Again, I can't remember this teacher's name, but she taught me so much about what a father, like having a dream and chasing your dream. And I remember her every time I look at my, my Christmas tree. I remember her when I watch Christmas movies. And um, whoever it is, thank you very much, because I probably wouldn't be doing, well, I may have, but she sparked this. Mm. So I appreciate that very much. This is the best gift you could give someone. Yeah. So teachers, if you're listening, you do impact us quite a lot. Yeah. Hopefully for the good. Absolutely. I've got, uh, so I'll just say my favorite, uh, another favorite Christmas memory of mine was one where I was allowed to go to the pub. So, <laughs> <laughs> so because I am, I, I'm from a big family. I'm one of eight kids. I've got 19 nieces and nephews. Um, I've got a few, quite a few great nieces and nephews now. So, cause I'm the youngest of the eight. So. Christmas was always a massive affair in our house and it was always very you have to stay in the house and help with the dinner and then help with the clearing up and then play a board game and then eat some more and then eat some cheese and some port and going to the pub it was something that people did on telly or so other people did so sometimes my friends went and I was always quite envious so the year I got to go to the pub when I was 18 it was very exciting I only had like one drink but it was it seemed like the most daring thing I could ever do on Christmas Day. I still had to go back and help Did with the food. Did you spend any of it with your family? I don't know, yeah. I, I, I spent like an hour in the pub and then I went home and had Christmas dinner with my family. And But the one standout Christmas memory, um, probably my a very special Christmas, was about 12 years ago 
where my mum and dad had the idea that we should all spend Christmas together. So as I said, all eight kids, all their kids, so and some of their great-grandchildren as well. So they booked a youth hostel in Margate, which is in Kent, and 44 of my family, immediate family, spent five days together in a hostel by the seaside. We arrived on the 23rd and we left on the 27th. So we had tea, there was uh, 44 of us, so there was three teams of 15, one had one person less, and if you were that team, you were responsible for all the food on that day, so breakfast, lunch and dinner, making it and clearing up. So that was really good. Like the, the when we got there and the day we left, you, it was fend for yourself, but the three, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, you were in teams. Whoever was responsible for shopping and organising all this, I don't know, but well done them, well done. But it was an incredible feat, I don't know, it was, it was just magical and it's something we've never repeated because it takes so much fucking organisation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I've got... everyone get along? Yeah, yeah, our, our family do get along and three, three, my three of my siblings flew in from Canada with their kids as well. So it was the first time that my wife and I had been together like two years, two or three years, and she'd never met a couple of my uh, Canadian siblings. We, we ate together every day, we played games, we did a lot of karaoke, um, and there was one bit on Christmas Eve where we all just um, stood in this room and we just sang Christmas carols, and I remember that, like, a just a creeping sense of magic crept up my spine. It was, it was a, an amazing time. That, that sounds, I, I got the memory of watching a, because I recently watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding where she has like such a massive family and she's dating a man who only has like two cousins and she's like, you only have two cousins? Because <laughs> I'm sitting here as the orphan, I'm like, how many people were there? <laughs> like... Yeah, a lot. And then some people who live nearby as well, like my cousins and my aunts and uncles, they arrived as some people didn't stay the whole five days. But there was always at least like nearing 50 people because we just kept adding people as well. But anyway, so there's some Christmas memories, personal and writing, and this year obviously will be very different. Um, it's just going to be me and my wife and um, another friend, possibly two. So and I think uh, most of my family are spending it with their families just in their homes, as most people will be. Um, less travel is a better thing this weekend. Uh, this weekend? This Christmas. Should we mention before we go that uh, we are taking a bit of a break? We definitely should. Yes, do you, uh, you want to do the honours? Oh, I have to bear the bad news, bring the bad news, thanks. No, um, but we are, we're taking a bit of a break. We usually try to record ahead of time, but we've decided to give a gift to ourselves this Christmas season. (laughs) So we are taking a break. So um, this episode will air, I think, on Monday, the 21st of December. I'm not sure if that's the right date. Correct. But we will not be back with a new episode until January 11th. So we're going to have a few weeks off. And we're going to uh, hopefully regroup, re-energize, and come back with some funny stories. If not, I don't know, we'll muddle through. Definitely funny stories. But, you know, as we both said, we are nearly out of gas. Uh, we want to take some time to pull into the station, eat the donuts, refill the tank. But do um, reply and leave a message and tell us what your favourite Christmas memories are. And we'd love to know. And what you're hoping for for the new year, or what if you've got any New Year's resolutions? Because as we said, we are now taking a couple of weeks off. We'll be back on January the 11th. So do leave us a message. Let us know on the website, lesbiansyourwrite.com. Email lesbiansyourwrite at gmail.com. Facebook us, Twitter us, and Instagram me. 
we will be back in the new year but in the meantime have a wonderful christmas if you celebrate it have a great december if you don't um and have a fantastic new year and see you in 2021 for more lesbians who write <laughs> this for more lesbians i was like Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone happy holidays bye Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction. And you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more people to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. Thanks.